Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowd funders, how's everybody doing? It's Monday. You guys doing all right? Yeah, well, it's Monday, your time. For me right now, when I'm recording this, I decided to do something I did, you know, maybe back in episode three or four where uh, I recorded mine Sunday morning. And when I say Sunday morning, I mean Sunday morning. It's seven o'clock in the morning. I've got about a 30 minute drive ahead of myself because I'm driving off to the, the mega church where I run live sound. And if some of you don't know, I still dabble in the audio world a little bit, you know, not as much as I used to, not my full time career, but you know, to keep my ears fresh and just, just to kind of keep me in the loop, you know, it's great. I get to run out um, on the weekends and and work with really good musicians and a great PA system and and, and a, lot of, a lot of good stuff going on. So I, I get to keep my feet wet, basically, um, in the audio world. So, so that means, though, I have to get up very early on a Sunday, and that's what I'm doing right now. So in the background, you're probably hearing the, the purring sound of a 2006 Scion XB with 210,000 miles. How does it sound? Oh yeah, you hear that? That's a big engine in there. I think that I think the world calls that a four-cylinder. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I might have just been making that up. I, I am not a car guy. Um, I know where the gas goes. Um, I have changed a tire. I don't do it too often though because you know I demanded that we get the AAA uh, roadside assistance thing that they just they just show up, which is wonderful frankly for because uh, I can't get my hands dirty is uh, you know my hands are very delicate all right that's enough right that's enough so coming up on today's episode I've got Jack Holdrip of Dr. Squash shampoo and conditioner that's right Dr. Squash so you got to check out this campaign if you're a male out there um, all natural shampoo and conditioner and my conversation with Jack was was very intriguing to myself because again something I've never thought about and a you know a potential problem all kinds of weird stuff is in our shampoo and conditioner guys all kinds of stuff and you know what i think i'm gonna blame myself going bald on all these weird stuff because i've been washing my hair every day forever i think i thought i was i should be washing it every day turns out maybe three times a week tops i could probably have my luscious hair but i don't and i'm gonna blame it on suave and whatever else head and shoulders so jack you know uh, had has an interesting company out there um who just turned to kickstarter they had about i think about a fifteen thousand dollar goal and they're just under 60k with like 30 days to go some ridiculous so clearly they've already funded big bump big bump sorry about that guys that's one of the biggest bumps uh where i live and i just hit it and i probably should have warned you so it could have been loud so all right real quick back to back to uh Jack and his company. So in our conversation, we, we really dived into just the background of what you have to do to, you know, get a shampoo to become all natural and the testing and and what that whole world like world looks like. And then also, you know, going into a, a, a saturated market, right? Like you go to the grocery store or wherever you get your shampoo, there's a ton of stuff there. So kind of talking about a little bit about his philosophies on where he's, um, you know, thinking about the company going and um, you know, just again, great conversation. So that's going to be coming up a little bit later. But last night, I kind of had one of those, you know, moments where you have an idea that you just can't, just can't put it down, right? I'm just, I'm giddy about this idea, and I want to share it right now so that I have proof of it. So currently, my family, we are renters in an awesome suburb of Detroit, and. You know, the reason we're renters is uh, about five years ago when we were looking at that time, myself, my wife, you know, we, we were at, we had our son, but we really didn't know where we were going to live in life. And, you know, uh, Groove Box Studios was doing really well at that time. Um, con, you know, we were working a little bit out of Chicago. Um, you know, we considered maybe going down to uh, um, Chapel Hill, North Carolina to, to do some work. Um, we looked at Louisville for a little while for a facility. So, we were kind of up in the air in terms of what, where we were going to live. So we found this house, like I said, beautiful neighborhood, nice corner lot. It's small. It's only about 1,100 square feet. But at the time, we were like, hey, this is all right. But now, you know, I got two kids, and we are popping out of this thing 
like nobody's business. So, so we've been looking for houses. That's been one of the, the things right now is just like the idea, you know, what's going on here, uh, you know, maybe next year or a year after that where, you know, I want to get out of the renter situation. We, we love the area. My kids are now in school. Want to put, you know, got to get their roots in. So, so my idea is, is to actually buy our house because it's small. And I think, it, you know, in the area, we're probably looking at maybe about a $140,000 house, maybe tops. The house right next to it, literally right next to me, sold for $110,000 a couple months ago. And that needed some work. And my house needs work, you know. We're a little outdated. So um, it's going to need some work. So the idea was, why don't we buy this house, considering that every other house in my neighborhood's older and it's going to need, need to be fixed up. Because every house we've looked at in, in my neighborhood, you know, it's, it was an older community and that community started to turn over to, to people like myself. So every house is going to need $30,000 worth of work, $50,000 worth. So, I mean, we looked at one the other day, probably needed $100,000 worth of work and it was asking for 200K. I was like, this out, you know, just crazy numbers, right? So, so the idea is, why don't we buy this house? Or this is the idea I presented to my wife last night, which by, you know, mind you, she took it with the same uh, anxiety ridden, um, you know, course of conversation that she usually takes and oh, our insurance is going to be ridiculous. So that's a whole other conversation, but let's break it back down to the idea. So my idea was, why don't we buy this house, pay about 140, maybe even 150, but take out, you know, go get a loan for the house for like 200K and add on additions with really cool modern shipping container ideas. And I know that's the rage. Everybody's like, oh, that's so trendy. It would be awesome in our neighborhood if we could create something modern, um, very cool aesthetics, um, minimalistic, which is which is our vibe that we just can't actually get to because we, you know we live in an old you know 1950s house. So you know, and then I was like, oh, I've got a buddy Eric who actually helps design shipping container houses. He's he's, he's actually done work for the the church that I work at, right? So I was like, man, I've got a lot of stuff that I think we could really make this. So. Last night I had one of those days where I was just giddy, 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 giddy about this idea, and uh, man, it's top of my mind. I think it's an, it's a, it's a solution. My landlords are older, um, you know. They've they've expressed interest to uh, one of my old other neighbors about buying the house uh, before we rented it. I found out, so I don't think it's that far fetched for us to say, hey, we we were interested in just buying this and, and keeping our roots here. And you know, they're nice people. I know they like us. We've never been late a day in our rent or anything like that. So I, I think that they would. You know, I think it's worthy of a conversation. So, so I know today I'll be spending uh, my Sunday afternoon after uh, doing some live sound here for the church, just kind of putting together, you know, a project management type schedule of like, all right, well, this would have to happen first, and this would have to happen because I think this is one of my better ideas. I got to give myself a little bit of credit. I guess I'm a narcissist, but I gotta say, I like this idea. I think it's something to explore. Um, so, the other little thing that's kind of been floating around is I've gotten a couple emails in regards to why is my name, my, my nickname Fuzzy. And I thought this would be a nice time too this morning as I'm uh, taking my drive, uh, you know, my dark drive now, uh, in a little bit of rain, mind you, because it's been raining for like five days here straight. But so, um, yeah, so a couple emails, a few emails have come in asking, you know, jokingly, why, why does it say Fuzzy everywhere? So, I used to have a beautiful lock of head, uh, head of hair, just beautiful head of hair, just, uh, and I had an unbelievable mohawk in it that looked like a last Mohicans with feathers in it. And I know you're like, oh, come on. You can go on Instagram. You can see the day where I had to, I, I cut it right before my wedding where I chopped off my hair that went down to the bill of my back in a beautiful, beautiful mane. And since then, the hair just keeps falling out. Probably shouldn't have made that decision. But, you know, you live and you learn. Um, so, so around the time of, of, of the, the band The Sugar People, which is, by the way, the, I don't know if you guys know this, that the music that I use on the podcast comes from my days of working in The Sugar People, where uh, my co-writer, Jake, and I wrote you know, hundreds and hundreds of songs, uh, which now nobody bought them. But now I, I have a beautiful, beautiful si- uh, soundtrack of tracks to use for, uh, for this podcast. So that's great. But uh, their family used to call me fuzzy all the time because I had a gigantic beard, I had a huge amount of hair, uh, and had a little bit of a Jesus vibe, like I said, when I was walking around uh, the studios and, and um, the old farmhouse days, which is another story. So, um, yeah, so 
that's where the nickname comes from. And, you know, it's not like it sticks. It's not like everybody's running around calling me Fuzzy. But I thought about dropping it for a little while. And then I had this conversation with a, a branding and marketing firm here in the Detroit area. And one of the things that stuck out to me is, is, is they're high up. They're like their CEO, their principal, whatever. I don't remember exactly what his title was. But he wrote something in an email where he was like, I, I, it's so good to get an email from you. I actually feel fuzzy inside when I get an email from you. It feels so good because you're always bringing good positivity to this. So after he said that to me, I really, I really, you know, took his, you know, thoughts and I was like, well, this is a guy who does this every day and decided to really incorporate it into my life. It's, you know, I, I, I think I, uh, I'm doing a, I, I feel like I'm doing a lot of good for people or I'm trying to connect you and, you know, trying to, you know, go to bat for somebody if I have to or whatever it might be. And, and I hope that everybody, when you get an email from me, I do want you to feel fuzzy. I want you to know it's genuine. I want you to know that, um, you know, I'm, 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 hey, I'm reaching out to have a conversation. Like, I want to communicate. Let's, you know, let's let's talk online. So, so that's where it comes from. Um, you know, it, it obviously worked really well when uh, we had Groovebox Studios going on because I do love fuzzy tones and you know, distorting stuff and you know, um, you know, I, I obviously play guitar so always love a good fuzz box um so that you know that that always worked out well too back in the day so you know that that nickname's kind of been around for god almost 20 years now and it's uh it's stuck and, and hopefully like i said if you get an email hopefully you feel fuzzy inside like uh this branding agency did in detroit uh, when they told me that so all right i'm gonna finish off my drive here i've only got maybe another 15 minutes or so that's all not too bad uh, try to wake up a little bit, drink some more water, and uh, get ready for three church services today. And then come home and crash for a little bit. So, Oh, and then build the podcast for tomorrow. So a um, couple things. Remember, we're still trying to get in the new and noteworthy. And I know I say this every episode, but until I get there, I'm going to keep talking about it. So if you like what you're hearing, please make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. Oh, real quick too, we're also over on Stitcher. So if you don't like iTunes, if you're an I hate Apple guy, you know, go over to Stitcher, uh, search uh, successfully funded, boom, I'll pop right up. So you can get your episodes from there as well. Um, so, so like I said, iTunes though, download some episodes, give me a review. If you like what you're hearing here and you think you're getting some good valuable stuff, send me an interview or send me a review, excuse me. Um, if you know somebody that wants to be on, that's had a successfully funded episode, shoot me an email, you know, jeff at woodshed.agency. Um, you know, I can, I'd, I'd love to have them on. So, so that's the first task. Second task I need you guys to do if you're out there. Maybe join my Slack community. Yeah, I've got a community on Slack for crowdfunders where we talk about crowdfunding. We deep dive even more after these conversations, um, you know, into a lot more inside baseball, tactics, techniques, things we do um, that, does, that really don't get covered on the podcast. So that's an opportunity as well. And it's free, and I, I know I get some emails where people are like, I don't get it. It's like a Facebook group. It's just, it's on Slack. That's all it is, guys. It's on Slack. So um, you can find me over there. And then the third thing, look out this week. You're going to be seeing a whole bunch of videos coming off of the Woodshed team and myself. So starting this week, make sure you like us over on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. All the accounts. You just got to go Woodshed Agency on everything. We made it pretty simple, guys. Um, but you can find everything. And so videos are going to be coming out. And we're, what we're going to be doing is I'm, you know, each day or every other day, I'm going to be giving you some insights on crowdfunding. So again, another opportunity to find me and pick my brain or ask. You can go ask Fuzzy uh, on Twitter or Instagram as a hashtag. And I will get that. And I will answer your questions um, uh, through video. So that's going to be coming up this week as well. So look for that. So enough of that. Let me finish off my drive. Let me give you a little more rev of the Scion XB 2006 Red. Man, that's a lot of power behind this engine here. So, you know, I'm going 70 miles an hour and I feel like the sides are going to fall off. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So, here we go. Let's turn it to my episode. Uh, my, uh, Hello, with, is this with, uh, Jack? Jack. 
Culture yeah, from, uh, well, it's better now because I just had like a computer freak out where Skype wouldn't talk to my recording tool. Campaign. I was like, what is this? Uh, what is this? Uh, I just a, did this like two frankly, hours ago. A, 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 male pro- a, a men product. A men product that we probably don't think up too often. So here we go. You know what? You're spot on with that. Every time I'm like, everything is cool. I think that's what technology's entire job is. It's to make you uncomfortable. So like, as soon as you get it, something changes. And you're like, oh man, what is going on? What is going on? What is going on? Exactly. So that's what I just did for the last six minutes or so. What is going on? But uh, so you've got a very successful Kickstarter campaign on your hands right now. Thank you. It's uh, very cool. Uh, you know, I would love it if you could just like tell my, my, my listeners, my audience, a little bit about you know, what you're what's your product, uh, what's your campaign about. Yeah. So we're, we're making the first 100% natural uh, shampoo and conditioner for men. And uh, basically, that's like kind of what our brand is all about is bringing natural personal care products to men. It's a personal passion of mine. And so I started a company three and a half years ago around that. And we started with bar soap and kind of have just progressed towards this shampoo and conditioner. And uh, yeah, it's been a really cool process. It's actually, you know, it's very hard to make a 100% natural uh, shampoo and conditioner that actually works. And so that's why it's kind of unique and that's why it took so long for us to put it together. And, uh, yeah, we're super stoked to bring it to the world. And what's, what's the, what's the title of the company? Dr. Squatch, like a Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know that. That was not me being, uh, you know, asking a dumb question, but, uh, I love the name. So I got to ask, where did that come from? Yeah, that's actually a really funny story. So, I, when I started this company, I wasn't sure like what I was going to call it. And I actually told my sister about my concept, uh, about making these natural products for men. And she is kind of an artist and she actually sketched out our logo, um, which I think is pretty cool. It's this little cartoon Sasquatch character. And so she showed it to me and I was like, okay, this is freaking perfect. And so we just kind of decided, decided to make the whole company around that with the Sasquatch. Um, it kind of embodies, you know, the manly mythical nature of men out in nature. So um, it was kind of perfect for what we were going for. It, it's funny. That's like the very first thing that when I saw this, I was like, that's the, I, I don't know <laughs> if you could get more perfect in, in terms of branding for a product. It, it, they go hand in hand, you know? Yeah. You know, and I think we have a lot of people that buy from us just because they like the logo. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I could totally see that. Cause it's, it's a, so you said your sister did the logo then? Or, or help design. Yeah, she did the initial sketch of the logo, yeah. um, the character. Yeah, it's it's just such, such a great design. So, so how did you become obsessed? I guess in this land of of cleaning up men here, making us all pretty, you know, and and, uh, and smell good. It's yeah, it's a very random journey for me. Um, I you know I actually had a background in like IT consulting and went to school for business and thought I was going to do kind of a corporate career. Yeah, I definitely wasn't um, expecting you to say that. Uh, Yeah. And I wasn't expecting to end up where I'm at today. So, you know, I kind of got tired of that lifestyle and I wanted to start a company. And the reason why this matters to me, I have a skin condition called psoriasis. It's an autoimmune condition and it causes my skin to be really dry and kind of patchy at some, at times. And so I've always been very aware of just the products that I use. Um, like I used to take showers and my skin would be super dry afterwards and it would almost hurt. And, uh, I started, it first started for me, I started doing stuff with my diet, um, cleaning up my diet, eating more naturally. And it actually had a huge impact on my health. Like my, I had allergies, um, for my entire life. And by removing certain things from my diet, such as dairy, uh, my allergies completely went away. And so I started, since I had skin problems, I started looking at, you know, products I was using and basically learning about, you know, Hey, like these products are made in a way to be cheap most of the time, more mm-hmm. often than they're made in a way to like be good for you or to be really high quality. Right. Uh, especially when it comes to men's products, because men typically are just like, give me the, whatever the biggest, cheapest bottle is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm going to use that. I think I had a phase, I, was, I had a phase of that in my twenties, I believe, you know, totally. <laughs> I mean, most guys don't come out of it. So <laughs> yeah, it's good for you for coming out of it. Um, but, but yeah, and that was totally my mindset. And, uh, I started just learning about natural products and, you know, learning about different chemicals that were in stuff that may not be super good for you, may cause, you know, dry skin or things that are even worse than that. And so I thought that specifically, I thought there was a potential opportunity to bring this awareness to men because I was like, as a guy, I was like, holy crap, like I didn't know anything about this. And, uh, so I was like, 
you know, I, I wanted something that would speak to guys in terms of like marketing wise, mm-hmm. um, that would be like approachable and not, you know, not super pretentious or not, um, also not too girly. So kind of, we try to have fun with the brand with Dr. Squatch and, uh, yeah, so that, that got me started in just learning about all these products and, uh, started making soap and it kind of went from there. So, you know, with your background and stuff, how do you start to wrap your head around, not just like looking at the back of a bottle of whatever, you know, brand X, Y, Z, but, but like into, is there a science involved? Do you have to start getting partners on board? Like, how do you just, you know, it's like, I I totally get your idea and how it's personal to you, but how do you start to transform your mind around, Hey, we can't have this chemical or this thing that, you know, that is it's like, how do you just start that? So, I mean, for us, it started with soap and, um, or for me, I should say it started with soap and that is, that's actually a pretty simple product to make or simple, uh, it's a pretty simple like, science experiment really, <laughs> where you're basically just taking, uh, vegetable oils in liquid format and mixing it with sodium hydroxide. It gets really hot and then you pour it into a mold and after a couple of days it gets hard and you have bar soap. And so it's actually something that anybody can kind of do in their garage. So, um, in terms of that, it was very easy to get started in terms of the shampoo. It was definitely, it's definitely a more challenging process. It's a way more complicated, uh, formulation. And so we've actually been working with, uh, we actually worked with a couple of different, um, companies that specialize in making shampoos when we, when we developed this product. And so we had a very clear idea of what we wanted to bring to market in terms of what the ingredients would need to be. Um, what was not allowed to be in there, what kind of the performance that we wanted and what it, we wanted it to smell like. And so we, you know, we leveraged their knowledge in terms of formulating that type of stuff and really went through the R and D process with them to kind of find the perfect formula in uh, that regard. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that's, what's like fascinating to me is, is, you know, obviously you have a, a saturated market in terms of just shampoo and conditioners, but then I love, mm-hmm. I like how you have, you know, you've narrowed that down to, I can't imagine that there's a gazillion products like what you're doing so that's got to be a very beneficial thing right and it was very hard to even convince people to work with us because they're just like basically most people that we talked to were just like oh that's what you want is impossible mm-hmm. or what you want we don't know how to make that or that's too hard for us to do like we have to use these ingredients that we didn't want to use because we didn't feel that they were high enough quality or natural enough um, so everything in our product is 100% naturally derived, and we actually chose to align our product and our whole company with this standard called uh, NPA, which stands for Natural Products Association. Hmm. And really, our goal with that is to bring like one of the biggest problems that we see in this industry. You call it like you know beauty or just personal care products is just lack of lack of transparency, lack of regulation. So the FDA does not re- regulate any personal care products at all unless they make a medical claim. Hmm. So unless you have something like an active ingredient, like let's say in an acne product that specifically says it's going to cure your acne, then if, if it doesn't have anything like that, there is no FDA regulation. So in terms of customers, like it's, it's extremely confusing. Even for me who has a ton of familiarity with it, you know, when you're reading the back of these bottles, you know, it's super complex and there's all kinds of stuff you've never heard of in there. And so it's not very easy to just look at it and say, hey, this is a good product or hey, this is, a, is a, a not very good product. And so by us choosing to get this MPA seal, it's basically a third party that's certifying that everything in our, our product is 100% natural and that we're only using stuff on their what's called the illustrative list, which is kind of like the best quality products to use that are natural. So, um, so, so making something under, that, under those guidelines was, was the major challenge. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, you know, as soon as we kind of booked this interview, I, you know, my, my next morning, you know, I, I was reading the back of my, uh, suave bottle, whatever <laughs> the, you know, the wife got the, she says it's the nice stuff. And I'm just like, well, I hope I don't sound like an idiot. Cause I don't know what any of this stuff is. I hope we don't have to discuss any of this stuff because <laughs> I don't know what it, you know, I don't get it, you know, like, uh, you know, so that, that's where I was like, God, I can't fathom just on the R and D side that you were discussing. Uh, just this process, you know, yeah. uh, and it was a two year process. So we learned a ton. I mean, and it took us a while. <laughs> I bet. So I bet. So, uh, it, you know, it's interesting too, that, um, you know, you're, you're coming, it feels like to me, you know, in this like really cool time, I think for men products. And I don't know if it started with the dollar shave club type of vibe, or whatever, whatever it is, but like, you know, totally. I've got, you know, I've got the, um, 
whatever you call it, big trucker stash. So I've got my beard oils, you know, <laughs> and, and like, there's all these sort of really cool branded niche products that I think are, you know, that men are starting to, you know, at least my, probably my generation, you know, I'm 37. I'm, I don't know if I'm that millennial or I'm older than that, you know, but, but like we're, we are starting to consume, I think our products this way where I want the brand, I want the story. I want it, I want it to be natural, good for me, you know, and I think that I'm seeing that in food products. And I think you guys are totally. kind of in that same ballpark right now. Totally. And that's really where I saw the opportunity was, and, and that's even how it happened for me. It was like, okay, food first. And then you start thinking about other things. And I think that that's kind of a trend that we're seeing in the marketplace, um, you know, in terms of natural. And then I totally agree with just men's companies out there. I mean, there's some amazing ones like, you know, beard brand and dollar beard club mm-hmm. as well. And, yeah. You know, there's kind of all these niches for people who specifically believe in a certain way or have certain, you know, right. traits. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I think it's like probably 10 to 15 years behind the women's personal care industry, but it's it's getting there. Yeah, it's getting there. Well, I, I think it's also it's it's um, you know, there's there's more opportunity to have conversations around it. So, like, I run um, I'm or I'm a part of like a dad's group uh, in my, in my small town where we, we go out once a month, you know, all the dads and, and I'm like, this is a product that I, I wouldn't be like nervous to talk about. You know what I mean? So like, mm, you know, I'm yeah. sitting around with 20 dudes having a beer, right? I'm not going to tell them about how awesome this new suave smells, you know, or whatever it is, you know, that my wife got, but I, but that's where I'm seeing like, Hey, you got to try out this, uh, but if it's <laughs> Dr. Squash, right, you gotta go, go check out Dr. Squash. Cause you know, it, it's cool. You know, it's all natural. You're going to dig it it's not that awkward of a conversation. I think, you know, you know, at least that's how I'm envisioning. Cause I got my next event coming up on the, uh, first Thursday of October here. And I'm, this will be my, like, one of my talking points, you know? All right. Well, we'll send you some stuff so you can, uh, I, <laughs> it's well, always better to have it in hand. Yeah. Well, I'll be there. I'll be like, guys, I need everybody to test this out this month. Report <laughs> back to me. Tell me if you're into it. <laughs> you know, here's a, here's a link, go check it out online. So, so how do you envision, I guess, for your company, you know, because of how you're doing your process and all that stuff, re- like scaling, like what does scale mean to for your brand? That's a great question. So we turn, we think about scale, I guess, in, in two ways. So what we've been doing the past couple of years is slowly expanding our product line. And so that's adding scale in, in one way. And we want to be able to provide, you know, full selection of natural products for kind of like all your personal care needs. And so it really like we just listen to our customers in terms of what they want. And so, you know, shampoo and conditioner was the big thing and that took us a couple of years to put together and then deodorant is next for us. That's mm. basically what people are kind of clamoring for and what people seem to be having a hard time finding in the market in terms of, you know, natural deodorants that work well. Yeah. Um, and so that would be one aspect of it. And then, you know, we're just trying to, we're just trying to reach more, more, more guys. And really the biggest thing for me is when we hear from customers and they tell us something like, Hey, I've never thought about what products I use at all in my life before I saw your ad and I, maybe I thought it was funny or I thought it was interesting. So I tried it and like, you know, my skin has never felt better. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's hard for a guy to say that, or it's, it's not kind of normal conversation for right. a guy to say that about their skin, but that's really the impact that we're trying to have. And so, so just scaling that and finding more people that respond to that or that are looking for that. Um, and, uh, and kind of getting our name out there. I mean, it's still, we've been around for three and a half years and it's still, you know, we're still a small company. And so we still have a lot of work to do in that regard. So in terms of like regulations, what are the hoops look like for that? Because I I had a conversation with a all natural, like food bar out in California Mm -hmm. and they were Mm -hmm. breaking down all the regulations to get a stamp, you know, and I can't remember what the stamp was called, but it was specific to California. How about this sort of product? What's your loopholes there? Yeah. So for, for personal care in general, like there isn't a lot, like I say, if you don't, if you don't make a medical claim, there's not, there's hardly anything that's going to be, you know, bearing you to entry as long as you're labeling it with ingredients. Um, you honestly don't even have to list the full ingredients. Like there is, there's so little regulation around personal care around our NPA certification. There's a lot more that goes into it. So Mm -hmm. they're looking at everything from, you know, I discussed a little bit about like the actual ingredients themselves 
Um, and then they also look at how that stuff is sourced. So they want you to be sourcing those ingredients in the most sustainable way. So they're checking our suppliers and making sure that they have the right paperwork and that they're not, you know, doing destructive practices and how they source stuff and how they grow stuff. Um, they're also looking at our manufacturing practices and making sure that we, you know, we have GMP certification and good manufacturing processes as well. And so, you know, it's about a six, four to six month process to go through this entire thing. Um, you know, and it involves a lot of different people in terms of suppliers and everything like that. So, um, it's definitely time consuming and it's definitely, it adds cost to kind of the whole process that we do. Right. Um, and and, and I, is that just like for the United States or is that globally? Or? That's correct. So yeah, it's very different country by country and Europe, uh, has way stricter standards on their personal care than the United States does. Um, you know, it's probably their personal care is probably similar to like our food hmm. and then their food is like way stricter than our food. Um, so we're kind of lagging, lagging behind them and that, I mean, we're a little bit a little bit less regulation pro pro business. Um, and so, so yeah, so I mean, I think that it's, it's something that it's something that companies take advantage of in the marketplace because it's very easy to put, you know, one tiny thing in your shampoo bottle, um, like tea tree oil, let's say, and then call yourself a, a natural tea tree shampoo. And the average consumer is going to have really no idea or any real way to evaluate that. Right. Right. So that's kind of the problem that we see. So flipping just a touch over to the Kickstarter, does that impact Kickstarter at all or the delivery or rewards or anything like that? It will not impact that. Um, we, we're in the process of actually producing the product right now, and we're going through all those MPA certifications. So we were very lucky to hit our goal um, within, I believe, 90 minutes of launching <laughs> the campaign. And so that, you know, that gave us the full confidence to right. kind of go ahead with that process. And so... You know, we're, we're hoping to turn this around um, by mid-November, and we, we know we have to get it in everybody's hands before the holidays. Yeah. So yeah. that's well, surreal. <laughs> so you just kind of dropped a bomb on, uh, on my listeners of probably, you know, funding your goal in, you know, whatever, 90 minutes or so. So we'll talk a little bit about your Kickstarter campaign. So sure. what was, if you can pinpoint, you know, I guess your biggest strategy leading up to it, or how long did you work on your strategy leading up to it, and yep. what did that process look like? Yeah. So the big thing, um, is just all for us was just all about the pre campaign, um, which is really the process of getting people onto an email list. And so we did that in two ways. Um, number one, we have, you know, we, we're a little bit different than some companies that launch on Kickstarter and the fact that we have, we've been around for a little over three years. And so we had a very, you know, strong following. And so we wanted to leverage those people. And so what we were doing was sending out emails to that list um, and getting them to opt in to like early bird access to the Kickstarter. So we had a few, you know, levels of our pledge that were 35% off for the super early bird and then 25% off, uh, for the early bird. And so that was kind of the incentive that we were getting people to opt into this list and get that early access. Yeah. And so they were, they were kind of notified first. So we did that with our own list. And then we also did that with our trap with traffic from Facebook. And so, you know, we were running ads to a landing page that asked people to, you know, provide their email address to get the same discount. And then, you know, the morning of we launched, um, when, you know, when the campaign launched right after we sent an email out to those people and we did like, we did a good job of keeping them engaged. And so I would say, you know, a couple weeks before the campaign, we were sending out an email not like too much to be obnoxious, but like maybe every four or five days right. just to kind of give them updates. And you're also trying to like educate them on the product and why they should want it. And so that gets people just really warm to the whole idea. And then so, you know, by the day that we launched, we had people that were so ready for it. Like people were telling me like, hey, I put this in my calendar. I made an <laughs> event for it, um, which is crazy. So that was really, you know, the main, that, that drove almost all of our traffic on the first, you know, day or and a half. How did you move, um, you know, since you've been around for three and a half years and you kind of, you have some other products, how did you guys mm -hmm. choose to do Kickstarter for this one as opposed to maybe some more traditional ways of getting funding? Yeah, so it, it's a major, so production for this shampoo and conditioner is a major cost, especially compared to like what's involved with soap making. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we had to make certain investments and so we, where we knew we had to make these investments and for us, it was kind of a no brainer to just 
do that via Kickstarter versus any other way. You know, we've always been kind of, we've always been a bootstrap company a hundred percent. And, um, I, we just, I like having control of that, the company that way. And I think it's just how I like to run business. And so going to Kickstarter also seemed like an opportunity for us to just reach a new audience because there's people out there that are looking to discover stuff on Kickstarter. And so we wanted to be able to, you know, leverage our current audience and get their support as well as, hopefully taking that and bringing exposure to new people and, and to just kind of bring them into our brand overall. And so for us, we don't do this a lot. We don't release a whole lot of new products. So it's kind of a big opportunity for us to try to take advantage of. Well, yeah, the, I, I mean, I got to imagine if I was in your shoes that the 1300 backers with 30 more days to go, I mean, those are potential people to buy product two, product three, the deodorant, whatever you guys come up with. You know, totally. that's going to be just, that's going to be, that could be really the face of your foundation of your company. And, you know, it's the, those backers are just going to be so important for you. Totally. Yeah. And bringing them into our, our current products as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what really, that's, what's huge for us is, I mean, we sell products that are pretty overall, they're pretty inexpensive. And I think even for Kickstarter, it's on the lower end of the dollar amount. Um, and so for us, it's really creating that lifelong relationship with people. Yeah. Did you have a strategy for your goal amount? So, yeah, we, I mean, the strategy honestly was to, we didn't think we were going to hit it that fast. We basically did. So you can do some math. So let's say you have 5,000 people on your pre-launch email list and you expect 5% of them to donate that first day, Mm -hmm. which is probably like an average amount. Um, I don't know. I think that's about, I think that's 250 people if my math is correct. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, it seems all right. So, <laughs> um, so then you kind of look at okay, we think our average donation size is maybe going to be fifty dollars. So that would give you you know twelve thousand five hundred. So I, I would say that's we we based our goal kind of around that math because, and we hired a partner to work with us on this Kickstarter um, called Launch Boom, and they've they've done a great job helping us out, and that's kind of where we really relied on them in terms of the campaign strategy and some of the benefits that are available if you hit your goal fast. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely set that up in mind, um, to kind of hit that target pretty fast. Gotcha. So outside of kind of that, that Facebook strategy for, for getting people to sign up to a landing page, you know, did you guys have an ad budget in mind at all? Or were you conscious of that? Or did you really try to do some grassroots stuff with just, you know, I guess, you know, how, how did that work in your guys' mind a little bit? Yeah. So in terms of grassroots, like we really relied on our own community to do that. And, um, also the people that we were bringing into the pre-launch. So we had a, we also had a referral program as a part of that where they could get basically, you know, free bars of soap and just other products that we have by referring people. And so we definitely got some engagement from that and which I would call like kind of more of a grassroots thing. And then we did have an ad budget and we had, we had more of like an advertising return target, um, where we wanted to hit 200% return on our ads. And if we were doing that, then we were comfortable just spending the money. And so I think that that is probably more important than having a set budget, um, is doing the advertising effectively. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so especially at the beginning, that's a little tougher because we were in terms of just looking at the emails um, it's harder to, it's harder to know cause you're not getting that money back right away. But we were, we had some, again, we went back to the kind of that math where, you know, we expect five to so 10% of those people that we brought into this list to convert. And we think that the average donation size is going to be this amount. We can kind of project what we're bringing in. Um, but it's been a challenge. Like, to be honest, we, our campaign has slowed down and we've had trouble recently with Facebook. And so, you know, we have been trying some different things like posting on Reddit and, you know, we've been, we've been working our PR contacts and we've gotten a few stories out there. Um, they haven't, haven't like moved the needle big time for us yet, but, um, you always hear about those campaigns that just blow up for some random thing. So (laughs) yeah, that's the old, uh, you just just don't know what that is. There's no, nobody knows really in the world why that is, but sometimes it happens. How about, we even made a dancing Sasquatch video to try to do that. uh, (laughs) I don't know if you've seen that one yet. I I don't think I've seen that one yet. So who is the Sasquatch guy? I guess nobody, uh, yeah. So, okay. So I, if you go back to my story, I, I kind of started that company and I was telling you about that. And then about a year into it, I was just, I guess I was feeling lonely and, um, I ended up bringing on, uh, one of my good friends, AJ to, 
to be a partner with me. And, uh, so he's been a partner with me for the last couple of years and, uh, his brother just looks exactly like our logo, <laughs> especially when you put him in a Sasquatch costume. So that was just a perfect opportunity to get him on camera and, uh, have some fun with it. So we, uh, he's kind of our go-to mascot and, um, you know, he's, he helps us out with various things. <laughs> he, for 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 anybody out because this is a podcast so they can't see it but they have to go to the page and see it because i don't know how you could get him to look as much like the the logo it's 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 very funny that's why when i started i was like maybe that i was i have i want see now now i know that it's backwards you had the logo first right you didn't do, I, we did I yeah mean, you didn't make the logo after, based on him yeah. right yeah surprisingly <laughs> he just appeared to us <laughs> He just appeared like a Sasquatch out of the woods. So if you look and if you look at the updates page, you can you'll see our video, I believe. All right, I'll have to check that out a little bit later. Uh, you know, yeah. you know, one of the things I was looking at too, just kind of back over to kind of the product is is your uh, your toxic ingredients. I, I love that list on there because it there's again there's so much of like you know. I, I'm not studying shampoo and conditioners, you know, and I think like every totally. other guy on the planet, you know, <laughs> besides yourself, you know, so totally. like, I, I, I love how you, how you put that out there is like, this is the problem I'm solving. Boom. It's right here. How did you guys discover, you know, I'm sure you didn't know all these things right away. Right. Like how, how did that process start to unravel where you're like, man, we can't have, you can't have this in there. You know, this does this. Yeah. I mean, honestly, just, just research, um, talking to also other manufacturers was huge. And the, the MPA itself is a huge, huge resource, I would say. Yeah. It's almost kind of an entire library on this stuff. And that's what's awesome about it. Like, cause we are relying on their expertise really in terms of what is the best stuff to use because they're out there studying it full time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we as a small company obviously wouldn't have don't have the budget to like be testing these different ingredients out or doing scientific studies. And so, um, we really, in terms of, especially for this product, just relied a lot on their expertise in terms of what's, what's allowed and what's not. And essentially what they have is like for each of these categories, like, and we have an, um, a graphic on here that kind of breaks down a shampoo and for, and there's five or six kind of basic components of it. Like you have what are called surfactants and that is, basically what cleans you it, it's the lather in your soap or in your shampoo um and you can make that from let's say like coconut and other plants like corn um or you can make it synthetically and it's not that everything synthetic is bad it just happens to be that the most common ones that are used in shampoos and conditioners that are synthetic are tend to be very harsh on your skin and the reason that they're used is just because they're so cheap right and that's why people are used to these types of products just being, you know, $4 for a half gallon or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you kind of pay for what you get. So, so are, are you guys uh, in retail at all? Is that a plan that you guys are doing? Hell? That's a plan that we have. Like right now we only work with smaller boutiques mm -hmm. and uh, it's that, that's very grassroots for us. We don't really have, we don't have a sales team or anything like that. Um, but we, we feel that, going through this NPA certification process will actually open up some doors for us in terms of retail and providing some legitimacy around our products. And, um, the good thing is that we, the standards that we're meeting with this, this formulation will automatically kind of meet like the whole food standards and all the standards that different, uh, grocery stores have. And so we're, we're hoping that will open some doors for us as we go into next year. Yeah. So, so, so I guess, uh, kind of to, to pull that question apart a little bit more. So like retail isn't something that you're afraid of. Cause I've had a, again, a few conversations where people are like, listen, we're going to stay online. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, it's, I, I totally get that. And I think for me, it's like, maybe I'm just stupid, but like, I need to figure that out for myself before, <laughs> like, I need to like learn that lesson the hard way, I guess. <laughs> um, but it's like, we still want to try to do it. And I think we want to be smart about it. Um, and for us, I think at least we, ha by having a good online base, like we have some leverage. We don't have to mm -hmm. like, we don't have to just throw everything at one company and hope that it works out, you know? So <laughs> well, it's funny, like all the, all the bad stories come from clients starting in retail and then going to Kickstarter or, you know, crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. All this, all the positive stories are when, like you just said, the leverage, if you can walk into Whole Foods as an example, right. And be like, you know, almost be like, I don't actually need you. Cause I can just, 
you know, you're just, you're at a different position, you know, the, the, the poker right. chips are different, you know, uh, right. at that moment. So you know, depend on it, it would be good for us, but it's not gonna, if it doesn't work out and we'll still be around. So, right, right. So, so you're sitting with 30 days to go. You, you know, you, you hit your goal quickly. Like what's the mindset then around your camp right now? And, and, and what do you see the next 30 days looking like? Yeah, it's interesting. We're, and I'm sure you've had people talk about this on the show before, but we're in like what I hear a lot of people talk to as the Valley of Death. Kind of. <laughs> so, we, we, all, we, we refer to it as the, the lull of despair. Okay. You, lull you of start, despair. You start so. questioning everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, every day your expectations are getting kind of put in line. Um, and you know, but in reality we are like a big thing that we're doing is, is we're just trying to get our Facebook ads to work better, to be completely honest. Mm. Um, and we have different strategies that we're trying to use with that. Um, and it's one of those things where if, you know, you can spend a very little bit about a little bit of amount of money to figure out what's working. And then, then if you can find out what works, there's a lot of opportunity to scale that pretty quickly. And so I guess that's basically saying like the past 10 days or so we've been trying to figure out what's going to work and we haven't been able to do that yet. Um, I'm very hopeful that we will. And then that once that works, then we'll be able to kind of turn that on and, and scale that a lot. Yeah. Um, the other thing is what we're doing, um, we're just going to be doing some, you know, me and AJ as the kind of leaders of the company are just going to be doing more outreach on our own to the press, doing podcasts like this and just kind of, you know, just leveraging this event as a way to get the word out about the company. Um, and then I think at the end, you know, we're really going to be also going, kind of going back to our email list. And, uh, there's a lot of people I think that just don't want to, this is just like a random theory that I have, but I don't like buying stuff on Kickstarter because I hate waiting. (laughs) So yeah. I have a feeling that there's a segment of customers that will, will buy it at the very end because it's going to be a lot closer to reality. I, I, and so, I don't think you're far off on that. I, I've, I've felt that and I buy a ton of stuff off Kickstarter <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm actually getting a pace where I'm like, man, I got probably 30 more days to go before I get my headphones, man. Like, come on, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's something that's out there, I, I, you know, uh, and I think it's just, that's, that's the landscape. That's part of the formula, you know? Totally. So now I noticed that you, 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 you announced one stretch goal. Do you guys have mm-hmm. a, have a whole stretch goal strategy kind of, or are you kind of playing that a little bit by ear uh, as you're We're going? We're playing that a little bit by ear. I have another one in mind that I don't know if I want to give that away. Yeah, no, no, um, you don't have to give it away now, but, yeah. <laughs> but we do have kind of two in mind. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so again, hopefully we start to ramp up this, the donations a little bit. Um, you know, I, we just announced one that we're going to be doing that if we hit 60,000 to make the, sh- the conditioner bottle a little bit bigger, which makes a lot of sense. Cause I didn't touch on this yet, but one of the biggest problems with, uh, men's, the way that guys take care of their hair or shampoo is that, you know, they tend to shampoo every day and a lot of people just ignore sh- conditioner as something that they don't get or they don't need to use. But, you know, that's, <clears throat> that actually dries out your scalp and your hair a lot. And so we recommend that you only wash your hair with shampoo once or twice or probably like three times a week at most. And then to use the conditioner every day, um, as a way to kind of rinse out the dirt and just to keep it, um, hydrated and, uh, moisturized. So, uh, we're going to be making that bottle a little bit bigger too. So they kind of both last the same amount of time. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> the different yeah. amounts, you know. Exactly. So. Wow. Cool. Well, Jack, I won't take won't take up any more time. But I, I I love the product. I love the campaign. I love the the branding. Uh, I I don't think you're gonna have a huge lull of despair. I think if you know more people get this out there, I think you're gonna hit a big home run with this. And you've got a lot of time with 30 days to go. So I think I think I think it's gonna look bright for you at the end of it. Well, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that. It was great talking with you. Great. Thanks so much. Later. All right. You there? Yep. Cool. Yeah. So awesome. Thanks again, man. I, can't, I really appreciate it. So uh, I'm shooting for, what is today? Today's Wednesday. Uh, next Thursday. So like okay. one week. So that'll be, yeah, you know, 20 some days ago. So, and then I'll, I'll pump it through my network, e-blast. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I've, and, uh, 
Yeah, I've got a men's group I have a, that I have an email list on too that I'll send that out through because I'll tell cool. them they'll 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 dig this. You know, uh, you know. Um, send me a, yeah, send me your address too, and I'll send you some of our current products. Oh, cool, man. Share. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll pimp you around to my uh, you know, my uh, my dad's <laughs> club where we get away from the wife and kids for a night. You know, love it. <laughs> my only piece. You know, <laughs> so cool, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. I I, I, yeah. I, re- I really do dig the campaign, and uh, I love it, man. Thanks. Well, that was great. Thanks. Thank you. Bye now. Tonight, the caustic wind love gossips late and soon. And I wear the wry-faced pucker of the sour woman. Real singing songs that don't appeal to 